Welcome to episode 43 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined by my faithful co-host, Dalton Willie, who he is here. He did not miss the show. He didn't no call, no show, like producer Johnny Pham on this fine Tuesday night. We've got special guest Eli Beery joining us in a little while uh, for a mock draft. But Dalton, before then... How how are you feeling on this last week? On this like almost like a draft eve, like this is like the Christmas Eve show of of fantasy football, pretty much here. Well, it's exciting. Uh, just as a quick aside, on Indeed.com, we have an opening for a producer. If you want to email a half point per podcast at gmail.com with your resume, we are now looking. Um, but it, this is the most sec most exciting time of the year. I mean, Thursday night, that first game. All of your priors have been confirmed. Everything that you believed is going to be true. But the best part about right now is that every player you believed in can't be wrong unless they get hurt. And so you draft the best team. Everybody else drafted the worst team. Uh, I've been, I've had a many nights where I've went team by team with my league mates and told them why their <laughs> team was wrong, only to end up being incredibly wrong myself. So this is the best time because you can't be wrong right now. Yes, it. I I, I have been there. I've I've seen seen that show. Um, yeah, you mentioned it though. You really, you can't be wrong unless your guy is hurt. And unfortunately, we've got to start with a guy where if you drafted before this weekend, which if you're in a dynasty, or if you just drafted the third week of August, reasonable time to draft. You just lost Travis Etienne. Probably your RB two, maybe your RB three, depending on where you drafted. I think Dalton. I guess where we start here is we think he's out for the season. I haven't seen anything official, but Schefter pretty much said he's probably out for the year so we're gonna go with that until uh proven otherwise we'll obviously update on twitter i think james robinson is the obvious place to look here did you redo your ranks uh, of robinson at all and if so where where is he at right now i did so he is the second running back i have in my tier four uh my tier four is just guys who are mediocre talents but have really clear paths to uh, you know, straight up workloads. Mm -hmm. So it goes. How many tiers do you have? I'm imagining you having like 12 tiers of of RBs. Uh, it only goes to six, luckily. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But that tier four starts with him, and then right underneath him is Daryl Henderson, and I have him at RB 18, and then Daryl Henderson at RB 19. Mm -hmm. So I mean, they're right above Josh Jacobs, who's not a mediocre talent, but in that because he's losing some work. My bigger concern is. A lot of people on Twitter, and I think this is a really good link, Duke Johnson really fits the kind of skill set that Urban Meyer was looking for at ETN as yeah. far as a passing down back. He's still available. And then I saw if Keyshawn Vaughn is a roster casualty, that's another guy that they could bring in. So I'm not all in yet because it just looked like Meyer didn't like him, but maybe they liked what they saw at a camp. Uh, but, I mean, Robinson's definitely going to get a lot more work, and I'm excited. I was back on RB1, son, to start before the draft. Yeah, we like, lost it. well, like I told you, you were you were on RB1, son, like minutes after we found out. So I, I told you to take a lap. I'm still going to tell you to take a lap for, for the RB1, son, here. The guy's an undrafted free agent. <laughs> I mean, you got to cheer for this. No, yeah, it's, it's, it, he himself is a cool story. It's just a major bummer to be losing a, a guy drafted in the first round who – Say what you will about the pick. I think we were all excited to see what he could do, especially as a pass catcher this year. And I'm with you. I've got Robinson up to 19th. I had him down in, in the 30s, I think 34, uh, before this injury. I am wondering, though, I haven't given myself the bandwidth to think about it, but I'm curious if you have. Does this change how you feel about 
Chenault at all because really ETN's main role, at least early on, was probably as a pass catcher. Robinson will get some of that, to be clear, because he got all of it from the backfield last year. But Chenault is kind of, he's kind of the guy who profiles as the at the line of scrimmage pass catcher on this team. I'm wondering if that should change how we feel about him heading into this season too. It, and I think you and I have probably been ahead of consensus on him all year. Mm -hmm. And it, it puts me even farther ahead. I mean, this guy came out as a kind of Swiss army knife type of player and Urban Meyer drafted ETN to kind of fill that pass catching role where you can be this utility player. I mean, if you think back to his Ohio State days, he always had that running back who could do a lot. And Chenault can do a lot himself. So I think he could get used in some more interesting sets. We're probably not going to get to see him in that alpha wide receiver one role, but he could be getting valuable touches out of the backfield, maybe some interesting screen plays, maybe some wide screens. So it's exciting to see, and I'm definitely in for it. I think it boosts him at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm i with you. I, I've got him at 33 right now. And like I said, I haven't truly thought about where I'd want to move him. It might be a couple of spots, but those guys are also so clumped up right there. It, it won't be like I'm not I have Michael Thomas at 30. He's not moving ahead of Michael Thomas. I, I can tell you that. So that's that's probably the ceiling uh, for his rank there. One more guy to get to, and we will do a little bit of draft strategy talk here before we get into the mock draft is DeAndre Swift. So we know that they've been bringing him along slowly with the groin issue. Uh, Dan Campbell today, I, I think maybe a little surprising for us to, to still see this, said he's, we don't know if he's going to be there, talking about DeAndre Swift and his week one availability. Dalton, I've got him at RB17. That's why I've had him this whole time. I, I guess what people really care about the weekend ahead of draft time is does this impact your thinking on DeAndre Swift at all? I mean... I've probably been the like biggest naysayer I've heard on DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. I have him all the way down right now at RB23 at the bottom of that tier four I was talking about earlier. I'm he- hesitant, but I kind of want to move Javante Williams above him and put him down at RB25. I don't have a good feeling about DeAndre Swift. I've said it before, and this coaching staff seems hard-nosed. And if Jamar Jefferson comes out there, a guy that this front office and this coaching staff drafted and does a good enough job, there could be a real threat to DeAndre Swift's workload. And this groin issue has gone on all of camp, and something that lingers that long does give me a little bit of pause for concern. Jamal Williams is going to step into that full you know, 60% role week one if there's no Swift. And there's just a lot of early draft capital. I mean, he's still at the 3-4 turn that you're spinning on a guy who might not play week one and whose role is in more question every week. Mm-hmm. I think where I'm at is obviously one thing that I always say is that if a guy is dealing with uh, a soft tissue injury before the season, then that is always worrisome because those things tend to crop up throughout the year anyway. So you don't like taking the guy who already is is dealing with that issue. But at the end of the day, it's, he is right on the edge of that tier for me when I get into that running back dead zone where I just I just don't trust those guys. So I'm still I'm still going to keep Swift ahead of all of those guys. And basically we like, we've talked about it. You can't project any running back to play all 17. You have to be surprised when they do. So I'm going to maybe foolishly, but I'm going to hope that if he misses time at the beginning of the season, he can remain relatively healthy because he has really been babied through this whole training camp with this injury. Yeah. And my biggest hope 
is that he doesn't end up in like the coach's doghouse just for being soft or something like that, <laughs> which is something that I feel like Dan Campbell would start saying. Yeah, well, he uh, maybe he could take a nibble off a kneecap and, and get back in back yeah. in the good graces. Uh, Dan Campbell, gotta gotta love him. So Dalton, some fantasy football draft strategies here. Like I said at the top. We're right into the mock draft after this. We've got no over-unders. We've got very little news. We're going to jump right into it here. And I will start us off with what I think is the most important draft strategy heading into any draft. And that's you have to go in with an open mind. You have to let the board fall to you in, in your draft. I've, I, I, you, you see articles every year where it's like, okay, you take three running. You go running back, running back, running back, receiver, receiver first five rounds or you they have like your first five rounds laid out for you depending on where you pick in your draft it's like number one nobody else can predict how your draft is going to go and number two i'm not just gonna go i'm not gonna be married to a position just because it is it more ideal in my mind to get a running back early yeah it, it definitely is because we've talked about that that mid-round running back range for a long time now but if Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, you know, Stefan Dix, DeAndre Hopkins, like if you get those guys at a good value, be willing to take them and you figure out running back as your draft goes along. I I think that's probably my number one. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, absolutely don't force it. And that kind of goes in with my first point is don't let ADP dictate your draft. If you're drafting by ADP, you're letting your league tell you who you're gonna pick, basically. I was in a draft this Sunday on ESPN and I mean, I'm in the 10th round and I'm scrolling down to find guys like Naheem Hines who are in the 15th, 16th round or some, some of them undraftable in these leagues, but I was able to snag up guys like Trey Lance and Naheem Hines and Javante Williams earlier than ADP. Cause I liked them. I mean, the first few rounds ADP is going to dictate a lot, but as you get deeper, like, do you really want to draft Marvin Jones in the eighth round? Like, is he really going to do a lot for you? Or do you want to go, you know, with a, a moonshot like Miko Hardman where if he hits, your team suddenly is, you know, indefensible. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and a point that I was going to make is, is, yeah, don't, don't solely rely on ADP and you're going to have to reach, especially if you're at either turn, you're going to be, you know, reaching air quotes, pretty much every pick to get the guy you want. Be, because if you, if you have a guy who it's like, okay, I'm picking 33rd this guy's 41st like he's not going to be there when you come back around you just have to take him yeah and that's why it's important to build those cues before draft so you can drag your guys in because sometimes in a draft i mean you have that little space of a board and you see those players and you think you have to take one of them but if you have your cue you can remind yourself hey i know i really want a tyler lockett it's the fourth round it's the turn he won't be here at the fifth i really need to grab him now Mm -hmm. yeah no i i completely agree with that my my next thing I wanted to hit on, and we've this will be no surprise to anyone who's listened um, to us the last two years, and especially the last month. It, when you're talking about tight end, I've actually heard this phrase. I think it was on the CBS podcast. Don't remember which guy, so I can't give credit, but it was either draft great or draft late when it comes to tight ends. So you either draft you know Kelsey Waller Kittle at the very top, or you're taking like uh, an Irv Smith, uh, Logan Thomas. Uh, Maybe Robert Tunyon's a little too high for that range this year. Uh, I don't know, like a Zach Ertz probably a little too low. But you get like the guys in the streaming tight end range or the studs because you talked about with the Kyle Pitts thing last week. A lot of time, like the most predictable busts are those tight ends 
you know, four, five, six-ish who are going around that wide receiver two, running back two range. Because And I, I went back and just looked at last year. So just last year, Mark Andrews was tight end five weeks one through 16, tight end three in points per game. He would have been the RB27 in total points and the wide receiver 36. Uh, I went back and looked at our El Cunado draft, so our quote-unquote home league last year. He went ahead of guys at this Mark Andrews like Stefan Diggs. Ouch. Uh, David Montgomery wouldn't have thought it was a bad idea at the time, but big ouch looking back on it. DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Kareem Hunt. Uh, Brandon Cooks, even, he he missed time, but he was very good when he played. Kyler Murray, another one who who went after Mark Andrews. So the difference between tight end four and tight end 14, which you're basically looking at the fifth round versus the 15th-ish round in a draft, was 26 points last year. Running back 24 to running back 50, same-ish type of range in, in drafts, 60 points. And then receiver from 20 to 55, kind of the same range was 60 points actually as well. So it's not that Andrews or Hawkinson or even Pitts can't live up to the tight end four, five, six, like we've talked about. It's that they really have to hit to, to be a value at that part in your draft. Yeah. Well, Ed, it's just otherworldly to think that those guys are going to be a, a Kittle or a Kelsey or a Waller. I talked about it, but to be the tight end four through 12, you had to average nine points a game. Mm-hmm. In, in full PPR scoring, which really isn't that hard. And you look at some of the guys you're giving up. Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson are all going after there's, Kyle Pitt. There's just so many receivers in, in that range that are are really, really real. Like, guys you could easily make the case could be a top 15 receiver. Yeah. Well, and that kind of lends to my next point. And I'm normally not an advocate of drafting a quarterback early, mm-hmm. but... I think this year you either draft one of the, my top six, probably your top five quarterbacks, <laughs> or you wait for a while. You take Lancer Fields or you, you you stream it. Because last year, the top five guys, the Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Russell Wilson, all scored on average three to four more points than the other quarterbacks. And a lot of those other quarterback outcomes were really hard to predict. Kirk Cousins had weeks where he was really good. He had weeks where he was really bad. Justin Herbert, towards the end of the season, especially had weeks where he wasn't as startable as he was initially. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to take one of those top six, those big Wilson, uh, Dak Prescott for me, and then Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. You take them early because there is such a high variance in that rushing floor those guys give you that can really be boom weeks. I mean, a 32-week from a quarterback is huge. And at least with Mahomes and Jackson, and I think even Murray for what we saw the first half of the season, those guys went on legitimate tears that could have won fantasy weeks outright. And if you're drafting like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes in the sixth or seventh round, especially in these home leagues, you were just at such a disadvantage because that production can just be cobbled together by other guys. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't get one of those big rushers, take a Lancer of fields and then draft someone like Sam Darnold or Kirk Cousins, who has a good start to the season. And then Swap them out later once they start because they will. Those guys have the same upside as those top six just Mm -hmm. because they're rushing. Yeah, and to kind of add to that, this wasn't a point I was going to make, but it's definitely something that I've felt as we've gone through this whole preseason process here is I – you see people who are really banging the Kirk Cousins drum. You you see Big Ben streaming, you know, those types of guys, Matthew Stafford even – I just don't have interest in those guys by themselves this year. What I have interest in is pairing those guys 
with a Justin Fields, with a Trey Lance, and and getting by until those guys eventually are the starting quarterback on their team. But I, there's plenty of people out there who would take a Kirk Cousins or a Big Ben before those guys in drafts. I'm just not doing that. I, I'm taking one of those guys, and then I'm pairing them with any quarterback I can get uh, almost. And Yeah, and, and that's a really good point. I would if you're taking if your plan is to take one of these rookies th- those two specifically I don't think any of the others belong in that conversation. Yeah, Lawrence um, too high, and then Zach Wilson you're not drafting. Yeah, I recommend taking them. I mean, eighth, ninth round, way before your league mates do, just so you have that edge. And then in the twelfth, thirteenth round, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Justin Herbert probably isn't that low, but Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, there are so many streamers available. You can put together a good week. And you just look at the early season schedules and see what you can get. I mean, Trevor Lawrence week one gets the Houston Texans, so that's even a good stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about uh, Trevor Lawrence. He he is going to have the hype. The hype train is going to be building for Trevor Lawrence after week one uh, against the Texans. But Dalton, unless you've got any other draft strategies, I think we are about ready to to let our friend Eli in here and we'll just let him in and get it going. So we've got Eli Beery joining the show, return guest. If anybody remembers, Mr. Beery was a, a guest drafter again last year. Eli, first, number one, if you want to get in the mock draft, that'd be really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do I just take any spot? Yep, take any spot. I can randomize it if we want, or you can just, okay, you're taking two. Dalton can have four. I'll oh, go. I didn't. Oh, yeah, you can do whatever you guys right. want. I'll take two, or you can I'll go. I'll go eight, and, and we can be a little bit split up. I've got to ask, though, you were venting about this before the show. <laughs> in in our Dynasty League that we're in together with a bunch of other guys, it's like almost uncanny the amount of backup running backs who are now in the limelight. Like Daryl Henderson on Eli's team. James Robinson on Eli's team. And even like, you know, people think Gaskin's going to be the starter. You've got, you've got Malcolm Brown. who Not who, anymore. Yep, yeah, I guess you just traded him. But you had you had Malcolm Brown. And even even Jarek McKinnon, like guys are getting banged up in front of him in Kansas City. So I mean, Eli, I feel I feel like you've already like you're in you already have to be in a win now mode in this dynasty league and go for <laughs> it this year, right? Uh my goal has been to layer things a little bit. I'd say you're mostly right. I'm definitely win now. I'm also always about running backs. If anybody's ever drafted or played fantasy with yes. me, load up on those. I'll wait to take receivers just because I feel like I can find those. Um, I don't know what to tell you, man. This year, I'm all about watching the tape. I've watched a lot of the tape. I've got love for some of the Memphis backs, and it's just a nice combination right now. But uh, one thing I will say that I, I do try to do is after I draft, I think it's all about getting active. I didn't have Malcolm Brown. I didn't have a couple of those other people on my team when I did draft. But very quickly, you got to dissect who's just not going to work for you. Go to the waivers, see if you can get a guy that's athletic enough, or has a skill set in the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. See, you two operate very differently from me in that regard because you guys are always looking the wheel and deal, even in redraft before the season starts. In dynasty, it's a lot more understandable because, like, you're always trading in dynasty, right? But even in redraft, you guys have always been that way. And I just, I always want to see my guys play at least one game. Maybe it's because I think I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I'm really not. I have to be proven wrong in week one. I don't, I don't know what it is, but. I at least I at least have to see it for myself. I have to to see myself be proven wrong before I can trade any of my precious players. My thing is sometimes, and anybody who listens to the podcast can hear this, especially if you've read my preseason article where I wrote twelve hundred words. <laughs> uh, 
sometimes I just see something. I'm like, man, I gotta have that guy. Like I traded for Henry Ruggs in our in our dynasty league, and a lot of it was just based off. I was like, man, I went back and watched some of his stuff, and I loved it. I was like, I really need him, and I just went out and did it. I I just second guessed myself so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you guys are ready, I can share the screen here, and we can get right into this mock draft. Everybody can see it okay? Yep, looks like we're good. All right, so as you can see, Young Pimp, a.k.a. Eli, (laughs) number two overall. Dalton with a wonderful profile picture, number four overall. Uh, The Mighty Melonheads, if you can't see my profile picture, number eight. I did that intentionally so I could be kind of right at that spot where it's ambiguous if you go receiver running back, and we'll, we'll see how the board falls to me, but... I noticed you didn't say Bel Air Bullfrogs. Oh, yeah, Bel Bel Air Bullfrogs. Bel Air Bullfrogs, the um, dynasty team. I will not say Dalton's team name. It is not appropriate to be said on the the air. I'm glad it doesn't show up on on it. Thank God. Uh, I do want to point out, for anybody watching, that photo taken of me, uh, the next day I drafted my worst fantasy team of my career. So don't draft inebriated, boys and girls. Okay, so number one overall, Dalvin Cook, a little bit of a surprise. Again, half point per reception. Um, if if anyone doesn't catch that, uh, hey, Noah in the chat, I'll, I'll throw you that bone, bud. Eli is up. Number two, I'm assuming Christian McCaffrey, right? Anybody want to take a guess at what I'm going to pick here? Well, Are you... you might be thinking Kamara. Yep, he goes Kamara. So McCaffrey with the very unrealistic fall to number three overall to start this mock draft. I can. I'll, I'll try to support it in brief. Mm-hmm. Uh, Go ahead. Kamara is the most well-paid player on the Saints right now, the most important player on the Saints. Christian McCaffrey was banged up all year last year, and I like Chuba Hubbard's tape. So mm-hmm. those reasons, take Kamara. Is I, I thought Taysom Hill was paid more than Alvin Kamara. <laughs> you, you, you get brownie points for saying uh, Chuba Hubbard, unlike uh, my co-host who does not know how to Chuba. say. Chubba uh, Hubbard. Chubba. Think, thinks it rhymes with Hubba Bubba. All right, Dalton. Chubba Hubba Max, a whole new kind of Bubba. Who are you going with the number four? Well, it's obviously between Derrick Henry and Saquon. Um, I, I mean, I've faded Derrick Henry for three straight years, so I'm going to fade him again because eventually <laughs> I have to be right. Yep, uh, that, that's my approach as well. Saquon at four seems like a value to me i mean he belongs in that top four skill wise and he has the same injury concerns mm-hmm. as you know cmc at least and dalvin cook in my opinion mm-hmm. so what i'm looking at here we see zeke and i don't have to read off the picks like last year because if you're listening on the podcast just go watch on the youtube channel we'll tweet out the draft board too at some point uh on wednesday as well but chubb and thankfully derrick henry gone before me so i don't have to actually think about that at number eight overall Jonathan Taylor, Tyreek Hill, Dalton, I know you're a little bit low on Taylor. I'm assuming you would go Tyreek here, right? Actually, uh, I have Aaron Jones in my tier one of running backs now above Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. I think with Aaron Rodgers. So I would go him. I think he's a really good value where you're at. Brand new contract. So let me look. I've got Aaron Jones at number six as well. But, man, you know what? I'm going to take him. And I'm going to hope that Travis Kelsey makes it back around to me. We'll see if that gamble play, pays off. And for what it's worth, nope. I don't think, oh, there goes Kelsey. I don't think Jonathan Taylor is a first-round pick right now. I will say uh, Carson Wentz, we, we didn't talk about that, but he is back on the field looking the part um, to start week one. Uh, we've talked about the fact that Quentin Nelson is a, a robot. Uh, 
alien, whatever, whatever adjective you want to call him, he he's already gonna be back out there um, probably tomorrow if if he needed to be. So back around on the turn, my guy Kelsey goes at twelfth overall. Uh, so DeAndre Hopkins, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, next three up ADP wise. I think I have to go Hopkins. Like I think Hopkins is just the best value at at this point in the draft. I, I think. Maybe some people would, because yeah, Dig- oh no, Diggs went one eleven. I was like, some people would have Diggs ahead of Hopkins. I still have Hopkins ahead of Diggs this season. I actually have Ridley ahead of Hopkins. Really? Interestingly enough, yeah. And I know you're a Ridley owner, so yeah, that's in Dynasty, so a little different. I also would have taken Hopkins if he dropped. I think one more pick to me instead of Ridley. Well, it's my turn, and this one's probably the easiest pick of the draft for me. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's my. I've been my guy for two years. I think he still has top five upside. His his his, his ADP has moved up, so it doesn't actually look uh, foolish to take him uh, just in the draft room at this point, like it did earlier this summer. Yeah, um, but Clyde edwards helaire that ankle injury, I'm not really concerned about. It didn't seem that serious. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Eli's back up. Had Keen Allen go just before that. So. Eli's Keenan Allen over AJ Brown. Eli's Eli, Eli's got a lot of options here. He can go quarterback, tight end, receiver, running back. Like the, the four in a row, he could go pretty much anywhere. And to answer your Keenan Allen question, Dalton, I, I, I value the safety of Keenan Allen, so I'm totally fine with him. And and at the two three turn. Well, as we're well aware, I don't think he'll reach a thousand dollars. Yeah, season, yeah, so. yeah. A, a, a fairly hefty bet. Um, riding on that. So Eli goes J.K. Dobbins, one of my my guys, on Johnny's dynasty team. Uh, Eli, get, give us the rationale there, and then you can make your next pick. Personally, Dobbins isn't my favorite. I think right here it makes sense, though. Uh, I think just the work he's going to get. I love the Ravens. I think efficient teams are always good bets for taking players on, and the offense is always efficient, so mm-hmm. I like that. Also knew that I could turn around and get my guy here, Waller, at the three. Big <laughs> two running backs, and I know I can get receivers later on this one. I think Eli has taken Darren Waller in every draft I've been in with him for like the last three years. I I don't know if I've ever seen anyone more loyal to a guy than than Darren Waller. Uh, than I Eli am is to him. Absolutely greedy about Darren Waller, and I know it's no fun if anybody's ever wanted Darren Waller. If you're drafting with me, I'm sorry. But uh, like Evan was talking about earlier with his philosophy, well, with draft earlier or draft late, right, with with the, yep. the tight ends, I'm always taking one early. I just think it's worth it. I'm trying to lock up that position. Yep, draft great, draft late. One of those two. Dalton, who do you have? No tight end options here for you if you're doing draft great, draft late. Uh, you've got DeAndre Swift. You've got Patrick Mahomes. You've got Terry McLaurin as some of the top guys on the board. Well, really quickly, I want to look at T1. They have Dalvin Cook, A.J. Brown. How does Justin Jefferson fall into the third round in any draft right now? I mean, you and Eli both could have picked him at the end of the second, so maybe ask yourself or ask Eli that question. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's just a crazy I think most people I think most people would take him over CEH, so I think it's actually your fault in this situation. Well, most people are wrong. And uh, – this guy, I actually have ranked over CEH, but I know I can wait on him every draft. I think he's just perennially underrated every year. Josh it's Jacobs. Chris Carson. Mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, in what world? <laughs> um, uh, I mean, Chris Carson's my pick here. I think Seattle's better. I still think he's the best back there. I mean, Rashad Penny was brought back on a small deal, and who knows if that guy can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And in points per game, uh, Chris Carson is one of the best backs. 
and he's been pretty healthy despite a lot of the concerns people have for him. Yeah, and and Penny is back on a small deal, but his options not picked up. So they are not huge believers in him right now. Obviously, it makes sense that his option isn't picked up because he just missed all of last season, basically, with a torn ACL. So yeah, uh, Carson, you would think, would have all the workload he can handle. The key, of course, with him is always how much can he handle because he does yeah. at least get banged up uh, pretty consistently. Well, now... They didn't run him into the ground last year, mm-hmm. though. That's the other thing about him is he's got a lot of miles left. They really opened up his skill set tree. If anything, he had a lot. He had catches over the top from Wilson. He had, you know, yeah, he, 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 he had like one game where he had like two like corner out touchdown receptions. I think it was like mm-hmm. at the Falcons. Maybe it was like okay, this is a little bit weird that that this is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the only thing that concerns me with him is he runs old school. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's helmet down. He plows in those defenders, and that's where you get worried about those injuries. Yeah, he he definitely is one who does not run with with much regard for his body. So I'm up in the third round here looking at DeAndre Swift, the guy we just talked about, Dalton. I've got him at 17. I actually have Josh Jacobs ever so slightly higher. I don't think I'm going to take either guy here. I think it might be Mike Evans. I have Mike Evans. Yeah, I have Mike Evans eight overall at receiver. I think it's you have him higher be. than a Rob. It's yep. It it's gotta be wow. Mike. Uh, you almost have a type with Mike Evans and DeAndre Hopkins on your team. Do I though? They're pretty di- like they're both. They're pretty big different. Body guys. But Hopkins I mean, actually isn't that big. Hopkins, but they just don't create separation. Those guys just go up and win the ball. That may be true, but Hopkins actually see when you draft Mike Evans you have to have a safety net around him because he's so up and down. DeAndre Hopkins is like the old, like he's like the only guy in the NFL for four straight years to go 1100 yards, 95 receptions. Just saw that stat on Twitter actually a couple hours ago. And then Aaron Jones been pretty consistent top, top five, top 10 type of guy. So I felt like I could take the upside shot and see what came back around to me. And now, man, C.D. Lamb is just officially going ahead of Amari Cooper, isn't he? Lamb off the board, Cooper still still sitting there. I don't I know still if think I, that's absurd. It is. I don't know if I compare Cooper and Evans because then I'm taking my safety net and putting a lot of fire on on top of it with those two guys. Can't take Chris Godwin. Can't have both. You know, I think I'm going DJ Moore. I've been a DJ Moore believer this whole offseason. I talked about his touchdowns, how it's pretty crazy. The, the low amount of touchdowns he has at this point in his career, I think he can bust out of that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what Sam Darnold can do with him this year. I mean, I like that a lot. And, I mean, we see three quarterbacks off the board. I still think those top three are all still there. Mm-hmm. And Wilson, Dak, and is Lamar. Lamar fourth off the board is absurd. Yeah, I, I, almost, I almost went Lamar with that pick. He probably would have been the next choice. Lamar and then... Tyler Lockett but I actually have so this is a good example of kind of knowing your team I have Lockett one spot ahead of DJ Moore but again DJ Moore I see him as more of a safe week-to-week guy don't love pairing even even though I think Lockett will be more consistent don't love the pairing of him with Mike Evans yeah well this is where you steal my thunder yet again because I'm drafting Tyler Lockett he's my guy again I, I have two Seahawks now, but all, I think this team is being pretty underrated because mm-hmm. they went vertical for the last half of the season and it failed them. And I really think that Shane Waldron is going to be a great OC and it's going to change the game there. So I'm taking Lockett and Eli. Lamar's still Ooh. sitting there. He is. 
can Eli wait another three picks for two picks for a receiver? He probably could. I've done oh, it before. Yeah. I was going to say, the last time I drafted, I got Woods. I was hoping Woods would slide there. I yeah. still think Woods is a top 15 receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Deontay Johnson, and I'm tempted here. Um, but I also have an affinity for wide receiver twos, and I love to just patch everything up with them. <laughs> We'll see. There are a lot of them. There's about 40 of them, so you have a lot of options. I'm not the biggest Lamar Jackson guy. I uh-huh. think uh, I just don't like the throwing upside. I know that's like the, the stupidest argument ever for year after year after year. It, but, but it's really not because he has more variance with his throwing than like even Kyler Murray. And then even with Josh Allen, we know he had a career year probably last year. It's probably not going to be that good maybe ever again. But I'd still say that his throwing variance is not – like, Lamar easily has the most variance week to week. I think that's actually a really good point. Right. Yeah. To compliment maybe what Dalton was talking about earlier, that's just one of those guys I think I would rather wait and try out, like, a Fields or a Zach Wilson or a Lance mm-hmm. and just get a little bit of that rushing ability, not quite all the way that Lamar has, but enough passing to supplement that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if, you, if, if this was a real team that we were going to play the season with, if you had Lamar and J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards might give you an ulcer this season with his five <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think the smart play here is probably going to be Godwin, but I'm just feeling kind of weird. I'm going to take Deontay Johnson. I'm obsessed with targets. I think That really hurts because I really wanted Deontay. <laughs> 150 plus targets and he's going in the fourth round is just the most questionable decision making by drafters. Yep, and we know that drops usually are not a year of the year thing. That was obviously a big concern last year. Really the only time that drops actually impact a guy or when it impacts his playing time. Now, it did get him benched uh, at least one game last year, but he obviously was very productive for a lot of the season and bounced back from those drops. So I would expect him to I would expect him to not lead the league in, in drops for a second straight year. So I got a, a solid targets guy. I know I'm going to get a nice floor there with him. I also know who's coming up later in the draft, and I'm still not sold on Lamar. Um, so I'm going to defer on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reach a little bit going with Javante Williams. Okay. So going with the upside play at 5-1. And you know what? If you're going to take Javante this early, you can do that when you went – Kamara, and then you've got a guy in J.K. Dobbins who you can feel comfortable on starting too. So you can actually probably build a team where you do not have to start Javante Williams. It's very tough to have to have him as your RB2 right out of the gate. Yeah, well, this is one of those times where I get to let the draft come to be. Um, I love Cooper Cup here. Uh, I think Matthew Stafford really brings a new element to that offense. But Lamar Jackson passed ADP at this point, and I have him as QB2. So I'm getting him in the you know fifth round. Mm-hmm. I, it's pretty easy value for me to take Lamar here. I, I still think wide receiver goes pretty deep. It gets pretty flat after this point, in my opinion, too. So I'm, I'm happy to take Lamar. Yep. I I was going to happily take Lamar in, in three <laughs> picks if, if you didn't take him there and he, he continued falling. I agree with everything you said. Everyone knows. You can go read the newsletter last week. Everyone knows I'm, I'm in on Lamar. And his value this year, I've got him at QB2. I know the throwing is a little little week-to-week with him, but the running is just is just so good. And it, it's good with a lot of these guys at the top, but Lamar is probably the best running quarterback of all time. So can't can't really go too wrong there. So this is where... You need a running back, Evan. It looks I pretty do, grim. But you know what? 
I'm when you mock draft, you try stuff. So we're trying something here. We're we're gonna go a little receiver heavy. I think you can probably guess who I'm taking here. One of he would have been one of my guys, but he was one of my breakouts. I love Brandon Ayuk coming into this season. I think he's set up to have a big time year, no matter which guy is his quarterback, even if George Kittle and Debo Samuel are both healthy. I think Ayuk is clearly better than Debo, and I think he's gonna have a an awesome year. And I'm not reaching for running back just because I need a running back because I I don't like the guys in this range. Like looking at the board, Chase Edmonds goes three picks after me. Dalton, you and I have talked ad nauseum. I, I don't think we need to talk about it again. But we 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 are not Chase Edmonds guys heading into this season by any means. Not even remotely. James Conner is going to get that workload in the goal line, and I don't even think Chase Edmonds is really that good. One career carry within the five. It's mm-hmm. just not pretty. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this trend going. Not receiver, but I'm gonna keep looking away from the running back and see what I can get next time around because you mentioned the Seahawks you've got two of them I'm gonna take the guy who's gonna be throwing all those guys the ball and Russell Wilson at this point in the draft I think getting him in the sixth round is is always great value you know I'm I've always been a big Russell Wilson guy yeah the thing is I just want to see a complete season out of him I do love him this year but man he is so hot and cold sometimes he is he is but at the end of the day I'll still take the top five QB finishes so here is where I think it's really important that you don't start reaching mm-hmm. or taking guys, not reaching, I'm sorry, taking guys who are just there. I and mean, we have Mike Davis, Aaron Rodgers, Raheem Mostert, Melvin Gordon, and Rojo. To me, all of those players are super meh. You would need such a good season out of Rodgers to even be worth it. I'm scrolling a little bit, and you know I'm looking at my team, and it looks like I have a lot of guys who can get me home run weeks, and I just need someone to do a little consistency here, and that's Robbie Anderson. I mean... Last year, he was in the top 24 wide receivers, only had three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He was just pure yards guy. He's a clear candidate to regress positively. A little bit of a locker room connection with him and Sam Darnold. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about it. I'm going to take Robbie. I think he is easy top 24 upside. On a scale of 1 to 10, how bad did it hurt that James Robinson went one pick before you? So I was actually sitting there, and I was like, man, if I get a starting running back in the sixth round, that's a beautiful thing. I was ready for it. James mm-hmm. RB1 season's back on, back on the train. I'm not doing victory laps. I'm just making a point as a front office. It's a dumb thing to draft running back in the first round. <laughs> and Jacksonville, be damned. That's I w- what you did. I would have. If if Russell Wilson would have been gone, Robinson was the, the next guy on my board, on my theoretical board here. Eli... 6'11 here in the draft at this point. Who are you going with? I just want the record to show I'm the most RB1 son supportive person there has ever been. So <laughs> every single year he's been available. Mm-hmm. That's fair. All one of them, all two of them now. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you got to believe that's, you know, that's how you get the best out of them. Um, <laughs> that's, how, really, that's how Eli is getting all these running backs yeah, who are seeing the backfields crumble believe. around them. He's a big believer. That's right. And talent and opportunity knock. Huh? Uh, <laughs> I think it's. I'm really actually, tempted but... to. <laughs> I'm really tempted to take Aaron Rodgers. I don't know why. I'm not usually someone that wants to take Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a really weird time to take a quarterback. I don't think this goes according to anyone's philosophy. Um, but the way my team's shaping up, if I could guarantee 25 points a game, that would be nice. That being said, I'm gonna do some crazy stuff. I'm going to take Jerry Judy because okay. he's incredibly talented. 
I'm going to support Deontay Johnson a little bit. And I still know I can get somebody, another wide receiver two or three if I want. So Judy off the board before Cortland Sutton. Dalton, does does that surprise you at all? Or are you kind of, is that kind of where you're at? I don't think my rankings reflect that. But at the end of the day, if I'm drafting and looking at both those guys, I do have some Cortland Sutton nerves because he is just not there health-wise yet. Well, I think the first thing I want to say for what it's worth, I did my full quarterback rankings and Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are dead last uh, <laughs> out of every qualified quarterback because I just can't stand those two. Uh, I have warmed up Jerry Judy because the guy is such an excellent route runner. And I thought Bridgewater would win the job. And when he's that open, Bridgewater would hit him. It looks like a somehow Drew Locke has turned into a competition but the Cortland Sutton news, I mean, that injury just sounds like it's not getting better. And he's still kind of nagging it along. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned. So I would take Judy over Sutton. I just, it's hard. I like Sutton better as a player, to be honest, because he right. has that proven NFL caliber. Yeah. But Judy's healthy. I don't like drafting injured players. Well, and Eli is really betting on drops, not carrying over year to year with Deontay Johnson and Jerry Judy. And he could very well be right. Both those guys are guys who are open a lot, just have to catch the ball better than they did last year. I will say I don't like two Broncos on a team. <laughs> That's true. I've never done that before. I don't know what got into me today, but <laughs> All right, I'm so... banking on I'm banking on young talent showing itself here. I know for redraft that's a little tricky, but mm-hmm. I do think a lot of sophomores tend to show an upside. And Judy, like you said, is supremely talented in that. Well, place. and even in redraft, the the rookies or even the sophomores, a lot of times those guys they can really they really hurt to own the first half of the season, and they could be league winners the second half of the season. But let's see where Eli goes with the second pick of the seventh round. Aaron Rodgers, that temptation is gone. He is off the board at 7-1. So because of that, I'm going to wait a little bit on quarterback. Uh, I feel pretty good about running back. There's a couple of interesting characters in here. Mm -hmm. But since I just took who I took at receiver, I think it's probably best I patch that. I'm not going to take another risk with Devontae Smith. Um and I'm going to take the upside of a Debo. So it's not the mm-hmm. same type of receiver as what I've been taking. but And I know it's an injury case a little bit, but I'm hoping either Judy or Debo will win that job at some point. Yeah, I, I will say as someone who had Debo last year in, in two leagues, actually, I think, uh, it was it was very heartbreaking to follow Debo Samuel's injury up and downs last season. Hopefully the guy can stay healthy because even though I think Ayuk is better, that's not a knock on Debo. I think Debo is, is a very good player as well. Well, Debo somehow a running back playing wide receiver. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, you made my job easy, Eli, because I was between Debo and Devonta Smith. Uh, the more you read about the Eagles training camp and the fact that they don't think any of the receivers behind Smith are worth their their money. I mean, Quez Watkins is out-competing former first-round pick Jalen Rieger. Mm-hmm. I think Devonta Smith has just a clear role to being an alpha wideout. Um, and then he he looked really good in the preseason. I know it's preseason, but he broke J.C. Jackson's ankles on the Patriots with that route. And they, I, they're not going to throw the ball a lot, but other than Goddard and Ertz, I don't see anybody else really getting a lot of passes on this team. I love Smith. You know, it's hard to win a Heisman when you're not a quarterback, and he did that even in a weird year. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking him here. Yeah, I'll, all I have to say about that is I I am still bitter about your Devontae Smith love after I have to be the one to talk you into Devontae Smith uh, in the spring. But it, it is what it is. Glad you came around, I guess. Had to read. Just had to read a little more. Had to read. All right, well, Raheem Mostert, Ronald Jones off the board. 
We're looking at an RB2 we might have to wait on a little bit, and we might have to to find a, a bad veteran to fill in at the actual RB2 spot to start the year. But it, it's got to be Trey Sermon, because if Trey Sermon were the pop, if that pick pops with the receivers I already have, like that that team is looking pretty scary in week six or seven. Well, and I wanted to ask you about this, because I was looking at this earlier, and you made it perfect, because you and Eli both drafted the guys I was curious about. How is Trey Sermon two and a half rounds behind Javante Williams in draft position right now? I'm not real sure. I'm not real clear on how we've we've kind of created that edge. Yeah, I I think I don't know. I I mean I have I'm trying to find my ranks here. Where do I have Javante? Surely it's a dependency, right? So I I I have them back to back at 24 and 25. Was Sermon actually above Javante Williams? But obviously it could go either way. I. Maybe it's the fact that people think the Niners like love Raheem Mostert still too, because Raheem Mostert's kind of always been overhyped there. I think maybe it's a little bit of that. Um, there might be more injury concerns with Sermon just because he's been banged up in college. But I don't really, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't really have a good answer for why why that would be. Well, in my the the Niners sat Sermon, didn't play him in mm-hmm. the preseason, which is usually an indication that you think the guy's going to play in the regular season with the ones. Javante Williams played with Royce Freeman when Melvin Gordon wasn't active in the ones. So it just feels to me like Sermon has a solidified role already and that I, I and I've said it before, Javante Williams was my favorite back in the draft. Mm-hmm. But I'm very surprised that there's that big of a gap between those two rookies. I think maybe the argument that might be made I'm not sure if I agree with it, but I think the argument that I could see is, well, Melvin Gordon's on the way out. Now, Mostert may be too, but Gordon might be more on the outs with his team than Mostert is with his team. And so maybe Javante Williams has a higher percent chance to actually be that league winner, be that 70 to 80 percent guy in that backfield. And Gordon just like go like maybe Melvin Gordon goes away entirely. Maybe that's a higher chance than most are barring injury with both those guys. I, I think that might be the line of thinking. I don't know. That makes sense. You so, have to think the urgency is greater too with the Broncos. You guys said it yourselves. Their quarterbacks are ranking dead last. Like they got to run the rock. Yeah. You, you would think so. Although they have a lot of guys to throw to too. So they're, they're just in a, in a predicament that only the Broncos could put themselves in by taking a cornerback when they, when they really met quarterback, they met QB, not CB in, in the top 10 of, of the real life draft. So I am back around again. I'm looking at my guy, Michael Carter, who the reports on him have not been good. I, it will not, I should not been good. He is not going to be starting to start the season. <laughs> we'll put it that way. I think he can still have an impact this season. I'm not sure I can have him and Trey Sermon be my RB two and my RB three. Your boy, David Johnson's here. You want to draft someone? Dude, who's... <laughs> I got, I, I got to tell you, David Johnson is completely out of my top 60 in, in my yeah. ranks that, that I've updated. I, I think that ship has sailed. Long so, Philip Lindsay. so I think here's what I've got a guy who I think might make it back around to me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to a position that I really don't need. And I lost track of the guy. Good Lord. Where is Jalen Waddle? <laughs> I'm going to take a guy that I love, uh, the guy who actually may have won the Heisman Trophy had he stayed healthy last season because he was their best receiver through four games before he broke his ankle. I love Waddle. I think the talent is just so supreme. I think he, he could have an excellent year. And you know what? At this point, I'm not drafting to trade, but if I were, 
I, I've got some trade ships at receiver. I could go find myself a running back if I need to a couple weeks in. Yeah, well, right now there's two players on your team who week one might be questionable to score some points. But <laughs> that team, you know, for the for the meme and for the ongoing debate, I really want to draft Will Fuller here, and he was definitely in my consideration. Um, but this is one and of Will those Fuller, times. Will Fuller, parentheses, lower leg injury, back running routes today. Yeah, and did you see the guy he was running against who had these giant extendo arms? Will no, Fuller looked I, great. I did not. Um, I'm not watching the Will Fuller tape like you are. You're missing out. Um <laughs> So Will Fuller would be my ideal pick here, but I really think Devonta Smith is already kind of a home run at wide receiver where that's what I'm looking for with him. And that's what Will Fuller is, is you're looking for that. I really would like more consistency, you know, a flex play. And I, this is a huge value to me. Eighth round Tyler Boyd and probably one of the most pass heavy offenses. Jamar Chase is, you know, he's having some practice issues, but even then Tyler Boyd is the bonafide slot guy. He's going to get targets. The, the, this team's going to have to throw short often because of a bad offensive line. I, I, it's an easy pick for me. And yeah. I see it hurts Eli. He's like kind of new Jarvis Landry. And I don't think Jamar Chase coming in like changes his role at all because Chase is now he could be more productive, should be, and hopefully will be more productive than AJ Green last year. But it's not like those, it's not like he's stepping into an offense and it's like, okay, we have to find 120 targets for this guy. They're already there. They just might be more efficient with Chase. I think Boyd's targets are not changing really this year at all. Absolutely. All right, Eli. I know that was probably your guy. So who are you I taking wish you here? You guys would say this stuff about Boyd to me in real life. So that I wouldn't be so <laughs> overcompensative and obsessed with running backs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Always trying to get the next Okay. Well, uh, yeah, Boyd was definitely my guy. I love the targets. The floor is always pretty nice, too, when healthy. Um, and I do think – I think the hype is justified on Jamar Chase. I really think he is that athletic and that talented, but it's going to take some time, even for mm-hmm. freak show rookies like that. They need a moment. Yeah, um, and, and he he should especially – again, drops are – I think we're talking a lot about today and also drops are, I, I'm not necessarily solely going to be dropping the ball this this year because he's dropping it right now but he's a guy coming off of a year away from football so he's he's going to need maybe a little more time even than the average rookie right agree um, there's two guys I like here without Boyd it would be Chenault and actually Mike Williams although he's a little bit lower mm-hmm. and he's going through some injury stuff here I think Herbert's going to sling it mm-hmm. um I can also wait on quarterback, seeing who's here. I'm going to take Chenault. I like the Chenault pick, and obviously we, we talked about him earlier in the show. Without ETN, it is possible his value is even higher than it was two days ago. So, yeah, I'm in on that. Back around, no quarterback is gone in, in those two picks. So you could go quarterback. You've already got mm-hmm. tight end or – you could add depth at running back. If you've only got three, I say only, but you, know, you take two running backs right away, only one running back since then, and Javante Williams. So um, I think it's probably time to take a quarterback just for safety here. Mm-hmm. I know there's going to be somebody else later I can probably take as well. And, and by that, I mean Jalen Hurts is sitting here, and he looks like the obvious candidate. But I think there's a lot of guys with that rushing ability upside later on. So I'm going to take the guy that I think has X-factor potential and Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. I know it's a little bit foggy with that team and how they're going to protect him, but we've been talking about his weapons all day, yep. and we know that he does just have that gamesmanship inside of him. So if I can get somebody on later to patch him, patch the second quarterback option and supplement him, if anything goes wrong with his leg, um, I can do that later. 
So yep, absolutely. And Burrow, Dalton, and I have talked about it. They are they threw the ball a ton last year. Don't see any reason why that would change this year. Dalton, who are you going with with your ninth round pick? Uh so. Again, when I say wide receivers flat, I really feel like all four that, that include the next guy I pick, all four of them have a shot to like be the leading scorer of this group. Uh, but this guy is really, you know, he's starting to come come around to me. He's moving up my rankings. It's it's Corey Davis. Like, <laughs> so you're buying the the big Corey Davis weekend we just uh, witnessed. Well, oh, I mean, two straight weeks. This uh, guy has just been Zach Wilson's favorite target, and. <laughs> That defense with the loss of Carl Lawson is really bereft of talent. They're going to have to play from behind a lot. And, I mean, it's a, it's Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and then a lot of, like, perennial guys who you don't really have – I don't really have a lot of faith with. So they're just going to be a, a really tight target share there where these two guys eat it up. I like Corey Davis. He had really, really good stats last year. Most guys don't run the kind of yards per route run he was getting in a very, you know, an offense that hardly threw the ball, lowest passing offense in the NFL, and he almost eclipsed a thousand yards with uh, what Evan would call a JV offense. <laughs> yeah, um, a, a high school offense. We'll give him some credit. Not not yeah, JV, okay. but, but but a high school offense in Tennessee. A lot of play action, a lot, lot of basic stuff, but it works. Yeah, I. So Johnny sent us a tweet this morning from PFF, and it was a quote from someone saying that Corey Davis could be close to the lead league. And targets. Needless to say, that went on my spreadsheet of things we're going to look back on at the end of the season and, and see and see if it was actually right or wrong. Yeah, Eli, I had the I had the same type of reaction. I I don't mind taking them in this in this pick to be clear, but I think the Corey Davis hype is getting uh, a little out of control just in general. Yeah, well, and would I take him in the ninth round? That's not my projection, but a sure. guy who can get you know six targets a game in an offense that's going to be playing from behind, I do like. I feel like you'd be Trey Wolfholer with, with that pick, but alas, I'm taking A.J. Dillon. I was hoping he was going to come back around to me. So I've got now the Packers backfield, which, hey, I've got three running backs. If i got to have two of them on the same team, the Packers are not a bad offense to, to hitch my wagon to. I think Dillon is going to have, I think he could actually have flex upside on a week-to-week basis, you know, like Jamal Williams did, and I think he's better than Jamal Williams. He, he's different. He's not going to be catching the passes like Jamal Williams was. That'll be more Aaron Jones, I think. But I think Dylan could rush for 10 touchdowns. Like, I could very easily see that. So, if I've got to patch it together, if I have to start two guys from the same backfield, I don't love it. But with, again, with how my receivers turned out, with getting Sermon earlier, I'll take Dylan over reaching for somebody I don't believe in in the fifth or sixth round just to fill my running back room. Did you read a zero running back article before you drafted today? I did not. Or... No, I did not. <laughs> but I know, I know you frequent the zero RB articles, so give it to me. Oh, I'm just uh, you're just going all zero RB picks here. I mean, team stacked. I just I I wonder how you're going to fill out this RB roster to well, end the night. Well, here's where we're going with next. We're going with Tony Pollard, who another potential league winner if anything were to happen to Zeke, or maybe Tony Pollard carves out a, a role all to himself at some point this season because he was just point blank better than Zeke for like decent chunks of last year. Yeah. Um, as a Tony Pollard dynasty owner, hope that happens, but <laughs> we didn't see skinny Zeke last year and that's a big right. thing. No yeah. one's talking about it. People aren't talking about this. Uh, <laughs> You're right. No one's talking about the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott. 
Uh, no one. There's uh, not a whole TV show about him right now or anything. This one is a tough one for me because I really, 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 really want to draft Nicole Hardman here, but my roster does not need that at all. Uh, <laughs> this is a time where I call my shot, though. I've called DeAndre Swift a bust. I still think Jamal Williams is in line for so much more work, and it's an easy pick for me, especially knowing week one he's getting the full workload. I think he's a very well, we don't guy. To be clear, we don't know that, yes, but it could But there's a good happening. shot for it. Um, so I think it's easy for me to draft Jamal Williams. Uh, even with, I think, the way Anthony coaches, there's a split backfield there, and I'm very excited to have a guy in it. Just out of spite for your call, I wasn't even considering Jamal Williams at my pick. Want you to know? I you know that. I can't wait to be right on Jamal Williams. <laughs> and for what it's worth, the guy loves anime. Absolutely loves anime, and he is like a super weeb about it. If you follow the Detroit Lions on TikTok, he's all over it. <laughs> Eli, who are you going with here? A lot of nice receivers in here. I'm a little worried though that I don't have a fourth running back. I think this is a nice point where it just completely drops off i now have more running backs than eli on my team yeah yeah, there's there's something wrong here uh no i do get in that a lot and i think that should be said that is the risk of going like with the tight end early Mm -hmm. is usually you get in a slide where you have to go receiver 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 Mm -hmm. fortunately this draft this year is nice because there are a lot of guys that are similar all in that window Mm -hmm. um but i'm gonna take naheem i think the colts love naheem no matter what no matter who's the bell cow there and he's going to continue to get the third down work. Yep. I know, Dalton, you're a fan of Naheem Hines uh, this yeah. season. I love the pick. I, the, the Colts have a atrocious start to the season. They play some really rough teams. And if they're in bad situations, and we saw it last year, Jonathan Taylor gets completely scripted out of the game. There were quarters where he didn't play entirely, and Naheem Hines was the guy on the field. You know, Marlon Mack, I don't really think he's a threat to Jonathan Taylor, but we know for a fact that Naheem Hines probably has the most secure role on that offense. We know exactly what, what he does and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It, it hurts me a little bit that Philip Lindsay goes next pick. I wasn't going to take him over Tony Pollard, but I actually thought I might be able to to snag a starting running back in the 11th round, but it didn't, didn't quite happen for me. The, the definition of starting is really shaky with <laughs> Philip Lindsay. I, I think he is going to be the starter terrible team though in in all likelihood but alas Eli up again we are in the 11th round what do we have 15 total rounds here so no 13 so we've got two more position picks and then a defense a little bit of a lighter draft than your than your usual right on the usual draft so Eli with four running backs he's got his receipt he's got his receivers got quarterback got tight end you could go pretty much anywhere here 13 rounds, I'm not going to bother with the second quarterback. I think that everybody knows you can mix that in somehow, and most of the rookies are still available. Uh, if I was going to mix another one in, I'll just say my guy Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. But a lot of sophomore receivers here. I am going to take Daryl Mooney. I think this is just a prime candidate, especially if Justin Fields gets in at any point. And even with Andy Dalton, somebody's got to take um, coverage away from Allen Robinson. Daryl Mooney is an effective route runner. He's incredible mm-hmm. on throws over the 20, over 20 yards. Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit more of a red zone factor this year. I don't necessarily have the stats to back that up, more so just the knowledge in that system. Well, and, and more so that hopefully his targets are within like five yards of him half the time this season. He kind of was, right. the, he was the almost the Jerry Judy of the Bears in that he was open a lot. And it wasn't Allen Robinson where he's getting all the attention, so he's open a lot. Not right. getting hit uh, uh, from Mitch Trubisky well, and company a lot. 
And that's not really, uh, yeah, exactly. It was more of a West Coast kind of throw pattern. There weren't a lot of things to, to take the top off. But I think that Mooney has the talent to be a good receiver mm-hmm. at any level. Um, and that's what I hope Fields can do. Hopefully the arm's strong enough in this situation. But yeah. Robinson haven't you, haven't you heard Dalton. Andy Dalton says it's my time? He says it's my time. We'll see how long Andy Dalton's time lasts. His 12th year in the league and his time has arrived. Whose time lasts longer this season, Andy Dalton or um, the coach, Matt Nagy? Nagy's yeah. a good coach. I, 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 think, I, watch- I think he's a pretty good coach who makes some pretty quick – he makes some Andy right. Reid-esque decisions, but he does not have the equity that Andy Reid has, and he, does, and he doesn't make all of the great decisions that Andy right. Reid makes. I will say, I know it's a preseason game, but I watched a better coach, Mitch Trubisky, run circles around the first-team defense of Chicago <laughs> in a way that man had never done before. Meanwhile, I watched Matt Nagy roll out Andy Dalton who couldn't get a completion against the second-team Buffalo defense. It was just atrocious. I am all out on Matt Nagy. <laughs> I don't know. Playoffs every year, man. Ooh, <laughs> Noah, Noah in the chat. And this one actually is a little bit interesting. Who goes longer as QB1, Andy Dalton or Cam Newton? Well, we didn't talk about this in the news and notes, but the Patriots seem very upset with Cam Newton going to the off-site testing facility and getting this five-day kind of quarantine mm-hmm. issued on him. And if you remember, he did this last season too. Almost the exact same scenario. He had to miss a game because he went offsite and got tested for COVID where he shouldn't have. Yeah. So, it, I mean, bonehead decisions like that when Mac Jones is playing pretty stellar in the preseason are not things you like. Um, did you see Belichick's quote today? Um, some, no. Or it was today or yesterday. Someone asked him, like, if this gives, like, does Mac Jones have like a pretty good chance or like a pretty good shot to, to win this job in these five days? And like all he said was like, yeah, he said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic Belichick's like, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, Mac Jones has had a good preseason. I mean, I know Cam Newton had a really good game last last week, but I think it's a pretty close competition. I'm going to go with Cam Newton just because I have more faith in the guy behind Andy Dalton than I do Cam Newton. I think the downside with Cam is actually lower if that's, possible to believe than Andy Dalton because we saw it, it went when it went bad it went really bad last year with mm-hmm. the shoulder and just the, the he start he had that great game against Seattle and then it was just a wreck after that pretty much after he got COVID he, I think he got COVID right after that or was exposed or whatever it was um, that happened with him last year so I don't know I would say I would say Cam what would you guys say I would say Cam Cam goes longer who's, who's gonna oh who's going longer yeah who's gonna start longer Andy Dalton or Cam Newton I'm saying Dalton. I don't. I don't know what it is. Like, did Mac Jones and Brady immediately have a phone conversation? <laughs> and Brady says, "Okay, Bill likes it when you throw right at their shins and where only they can catch it, because every single ball he throws looks exactly like a reincarnated Brady." I just. I don't know. I same I think body type too. I, I. I also think the other factor at play here, and I jokingly kind of mentioned it with uh, the Nagy versus Andy Dalton thing, is that. Bill Belichick is under absolutely no pressure to play the young guy. He can ride out with – he can do whatever he wants. He, he's Bill freaking Belichick. Whereas True. Matt Nagy might have to go with the Hail Mary, save my job, or two and four, you know, one and three, whatever. Um, that that could easily happen with Chicago, whereas I don't see that obviously being a, being a thing for the Patriots. Yeah. All right, well, so Dalton, you are up. You have 23 seconds on the clock, so I can pause it. Taking. I can pause it. Or you can make your pick. 
Uh, well, you don't know who I'm taking because I'm taking Trey Lance. Um, <laughs> I just finished my quarterback rankings, like I said earlier, and I have Trey Lance at 10. Wow. Which is super high. And the only reason for that is because once he starts, I think he has that top five upside easily weekly. And at this point in the draft, the, uh, if you look at the quarterbacks available other than Justin Fields, it's Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Tua, Fitz, Derek Carr, Zach Wilson. I mean, none of those guys really have the same rushing upside Trey Lance does. So I already have Lamar Jackson, but if I have another quarterback who I could wait until he starts and then trade him away for some pretty good, you know, value, I'm fine with that. And on the off chance Lamar gets hurt, I have easily a great starting quarterback, and now I get to wait for it. And, I mean, we're in the last two rounds here. There's not a lot of good players left. Mm-hmm. I would have loved Miko, but I have so many wide receivers at this point. It just doesn't make sense. The only other player I was thinking about – I'm sure this is who Evan's going yep. for. You don't have a tight end yet. I've taken my guy, <laughs> yeah, Irv Smith, Irv Smith. Right here. Irv Smith. I don't have to explain that one. If anyone wants to know how I feel about Irv Smith, go read uh, my guys in the newsletter last week. Go listen to like any number of podcasts where Irv Smith has been brought up. Both Dalton and I are, are big fans, uh, big believers of of Irv this year. And I I went I went late with tight end. Didn't go early, so I waited until almost my last pick here and, and got a guy that. I think he has, like, top eight type of, of upside. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, so now we're just looking at best available. It's probably got to be a running back just because I only have have four and not feeling too comfortable with the position, obviously, with how I've gone. We could go with a J.D. McKissick and just try and lock down some PPR value. Latavius Murray is still sitting there. I do not think he is a guy that should be drafted at this point. Uh, we talked about Rashad Penny earlier. Xavier Jones, another guy who's a little bit interesting in, in L.A. I uh, know we didn't talk about Henderson. It seems like the thumb is fine. seems like he's more of a day-to-day than a multiple-week type of thing. I guess I'll go McKissick. I don't love doing that, but I'm just trying to lock down any kind of volume at running back at this point in the draft with the way this team is shaping up. So comes to me and i need a tight end really there's nothing exciting here um i'm gonna go with the Ferk daddy anthony Ferk. <laughs> what is that nickname <laughs> the Ferk daddy you've never heard him called that no, I, um, I have not and you have to really be careful and enunciate yeah. when you when you give him that nickname yeah um but he has the like third highest yards per route run among tight ends last season the thing is he doesn't see all the work because he's not a good blocker but He's probably the third option in a low-pass offense, but he's a very good red zone option. The guy just gets the job done where you need it. And for all intents and purposes, if he doesn't work out week one, I can just pick someone else up. I was also looking at Jared Cook here, good red zone target. And uh, I've heard a lot of good things about Gerald Everett in Seattle, but I couldn't justify having a third Seahawk <laughs> on this team. Fair. I understand. Although at this point in the draft, eh, it, it I'm not sure how much it would really hamper you, but... Eli, this is going to be the last user positional pick remaining in the draft. So who who is Mr. Irrelevant as far as positioning guys among the users? Well, Dalton, you got a real Ferkser up there. There, <laughs> I don't know about that pick. You're going to uh, take Cole Komet here, huh? Cole, I do. I mean, I think he's – I can't say this year for sure. I, I'm more of a dynasty guy with him. I think he's got the upside to be pretty good in three or – like year three or four, like most of these tight ends end up being. Um, like Tanyan, for example, Waller. Uh, I 
All right, I'm huge on Kenneth Gainwell. I know I'm not like a lot of people really aren't with him. And I know it's like half the Eagles are a mess, half can we really be sure about Gainwell? He sat out a lot in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm team Memphis running backs right now. <laughs> They're blessing yeah. me. I'm going to say blessing them. I think they all have ridiculous skill sets as zone runners. And they all catch catch very well out of the backfield. Yeah, and and Gain and Gainwell in particular, that is like his right. his tried and true skill as he can catch the ball. Um, you can't get on Twitter almost without seeing Miles Sanders drops another pass in training camp. So I think right. Gainwell can eventually carve out a role there. It's funny you have Hines and Gainwell who are like yeah. half point per point. each other. I mean half point per reception here. Like I'm I'm trying to get any edge I can. I also, you guys aren't in love with Miles Sanders, I know. I'm not either. And if I'm looking at the majority of the packages I think the Eagles are going to run, it's going to be a lot of shotgun stuff with uh, with Hurts. I think that's just prime game out territory. Yep. So he's not a guy I could let the waivers have. Yep, for but, sure. All right, we can breeze through the defenses here. I'll let Eli right. pick his defense. Um, we don't really have to even uh, talk about those. But Dalton... Any major takeaways? I, I guess first question I'll ask you, I'll ask you about my team because I'm the one that went with probably the more, I guess, controversial, out there draft strategy where I just look away from running back for rounds two through six, basically. How do you think, like, do you think that is a viable strategy in that draft spot looking at the way the team shaped out? Or should I have gone with, like, a Kareem Hunt over Brandon Ayuk or, or maybe uh, – Reach for James, not reach, but a James Robinson over quarterback earlier. What, what, what do you think about those kind of pivot points there? I like the team construction a lot. The only thing I would say is probably where you took AJ Dillon, I would have looked for like a floor RB2, like mm-hmm. a, a Naheem Hines esque role, or even like a Gus Edwards, a guy who you know has like a role, so they get you that seven to six point or seven mm-hmm. to eight points you need weekly. Because uh, week one, you're probably going to be. You know, cobbling together an RB2. I think J.D. McKissick probably serves that role best for you right now. Mm -hmm. Still looks like he retained those third down duties. But that's the only thing I would say to do differently. I mean, you're going to outflex everybody right now because you just have the better wide receivers, which Mm -hmm. is all that really matters. I think we also disagree a little bit on A.J. Dillon's value and his floor. I think he actually does have that floor. The only issue, obviously, with having both he and Aaron Jones, just the way it worked out, is that... The week-to-week ceiling, it may be there for one of those guys, but the odds of, like, you could easily have McKissick or Hines or Gus Edwards have 20 points with an Aaron Jones 25 points. You're probably not getting that, but, again, I'm kind of taking that that patchwork approach until hopefully Trey Sermon or a trade were to come through with this team. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. Thought was an interesting strategy. Eli, looking at Eli's team, so he went double running back. No surprise there. Darren Waller. Uh, then he goes quarterback after uh, a receiver run and Javante Williams mixed in there. Eli, I know you're usually a guy who, if you go that tight end earlier, you wait a pretty long time on quarterback. Looking back, do, do you wish you would have maybe passed up Burrow for other guys? Um, maybe another running back or receiver? Or are you happy with the way you filled out those, those skill positions around uh, Burrow and Waller? I'd say if I could do it over again or do it in the future, I wouldn't jump on the quarterback slide i think that's the one thing that like for the past three to four years in fantasy everybody's been really cool with and it's been this whole thing like oh i can always wait and get matt stafford you hear it like every single year or i can get this guy that throws a lot Mm -hmm. the difference for me the past few years on being a playoff team and winning super consistently and not 
has been taking the quarterback before the sixth round. Mm-hmm. And it's been something I tried to do uh, Kyler Murray a couple times, um, Dak, I think once. And yeah, I don't know. I just think stuffing the stat sheet in that specific spot, getting it out of the way, not having to deal with, all right, who do I got to trade or who do I got to hope has a good game this week? Mm-hmm. That's probably what I would have gone with. Uh, maybe less one one less of those gamble receivers. Mm-hmm. So Dalton, looking at Dalton's team here, he goes Saquon early. He goes three running back uh, right away, Saquon, uh, CEH, and then Chris Carson. He takes Lockett, then quarterback, and goes on a receiver run. Jamal Williams late, Trey Lance. I guess really the only thing, Dalton, is with such a good quarterback, I know you talked about that that upside with Lance, even though you have Lamar. Do you, is is that a viable thing? Like, do you think the Lamar owner should still look at Lance late in the draft, even if obviously they should feel great about having Lamar as their starting quarterback? I mean, it's really knowing your league. Like, if you know no one in your league trades for for anything, I wouldn't follow this at all. Um, and we, we we've also, seen Brian get stuck with uh, many a two quarterback situations in yes. in home leagues. And the other thing I would say is you probably have to be more comfortable trading Lamar than you do Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge Trey Lance believer, and once he starts, I would feel comfortable starting him and trading Lamar away. But you have to be comfortable doing that with whoever your QB1 is because the name alone is just going to garner more value. Uh, and other than that, my only other concern with my team is all three of my running backs are just so injury-prone. It's Saquon, CH, <laughs> uh, yep. and uh, Chris Carson. I will say... Uh, for anybody who still drafts and has defenses, I really like the Panthers this year to start the season. They go Jets, and then they play the Saints, who I've been down in their offense all year. And then they play the Texans, which that's just a moneymaker. That's going to be the defense, the offense you want to play every year. Yes, and if you do still draft defenses, um, definitely at least look, unless you're drafting like the Bucks or like a no-brainer, like I want to start this defense every week unless they play like the Chiefs or maybe the Ravens or someone like that. Definitely look at that week one matchup. The Dolphins, eh, middle of the road defense, pretty good. Not always the best fantasy defense, but they play the Patriots week one, and I think the Patriots could be a decent team, but I don't see the Dolphins throwing a big negative uh, on on you in week one. So that's another thing to keep an eye on if you're taking defenses. You want to talk about playing the Texans? Take the Colts. Are you kidding me? That's That's true. Resign their stud but in the they middle. play Seattle week one. I mean, yeah, that's true. But there's something to be said about teams where you're like, I hate watching their games because they're always close and grimy and they're not fun. That's because they have that kind of defense. <laughs> okay, I think we have probably we've probably squeezed all of the all the talking points we can out of this draft. Eli, thank you so much for joining us. Before we get out of here, the last thing I want to say is Dalton, Devin Singletary was two picks away from me in the 10th round. My team will look so much better if I got my guy in the 10th round. He could have been that floor guy that you're talking about. I mean, the one thing I'm surprised by is Miko Hardman going next to the Rams. Guys, wake up. It's Miko Hardman season. <laughs> wake up. <laughs> it's time. The, the guy is going to be a top 24 wideout. You've got to um, draft him. Not sure I buy that. I I am hopeful for McCole Hardman like any Chiefs fan. It probably is, though. So we'll see what happens there. Again, thank you so much to Eli for joining us once again for our mock draft. We will tweet out the board. You guys can look at the whole board, see how the computer picks, see how we picked. 
Um, and of course, go watch on the YouTube if you'd rather just follow the draft and actually be able to see every pick as they're going along. That's Half Point for Podcast. Just search that on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point for Pod. Again, subscribe to the YouTube, the newsletter, halfpointforpodcast.substack.com. Probably be putting uh, our updated ranks on there. We didn't talk about our ranks very much on the show. Probably just publish the ranks without much content before you guys draft this weekend. And we will be back with some post-draft wrap-up. I think maybe Dalton a chance to talk a little dynasty, a little real-life team over-under win totals um, as we're still going to be like in that awkward one week out from the real season but thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll talk to you next week thanks guys go bullfrogs <laughs>